Yeah, welcome along to episode 86 of the po- of From the Valley podcast, Brisbane Business Life. I'm your host, Tim Wilshere. Today is the 7th of February 2020. Uh, and today we've got, uh, I guess, an expert in the real estate industry uh, on the podcast today, uh, very well known on the north side of Brisbane, Madeline Hicks. Welcome along. Thank you, Tim. It's great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. No, and obviously thank your friend over here, Carolyn Lovett. Now, Carolyn, uh, very well connected in Brisbane and, and thought you'd be a great uh, a great person to have on the podcast. So thanks very much, Carolyn, for uh, for, for uh, teeing up the uh, invitation here today. That's all right, Tim. My time will come. Thank you. <laughs> my time might... Oh, hang on. Just turn that off. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, so where we usually start the pod- podcast, Madeline... Uh, uh, Madeline has her own uh, real estate uh, company called Madeline Hicks Real Estate, uh, situated uh, out of Everton Park, also maybe offices in North Lakes and Bribey, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Okay, so we usually start off the podcast, Madeline, is just a bit of background information. So where, whereabouts were you born and where did you live early, lives, y- y- early years in your life? Oh, I was uh, the proverbial migrant child. I was born in Portugal and I migrated with my family to Australia when I was nine years old. And uh, I'm the stereotypical uh, migrant child who worked in a fish and chip shop. So my first job was at the age of nine, selling fish and chips. And uh, that's where I came from. So just tumble beginnings back in the 60s. And uh, when you first moved to Australia, was uh, Brisbane where you moved to or was it another part? No, we moved to Brisbane. I came to Australia on a ship that's called the Canberra, which was actually a, um, a troop ship at one time, but it was also a, um, a, a, a ship that used to do um, you know, cruises and things like that for people. And we went to, I remember it was uh, five o'clock in the morning and coming into Sydney Harbour, it was dark and it was just beautiful and being uh, just amazed by all the lights as a child. But then uh, we only spent a week in um, Sydney and we came to uh, Brisbane. So I've always been a Brisbane girl. Since you've been here, Mm. that's excellent. Uh, And we'll obviously talk a little bit about Brisbane throughout the podcast, um, hopefully, and uh, why you love the place so much, because that's usually a bit of a theme to these podcasts as to what, uh, I guess, what the guests uh, like to like about Brisbane. Um, But uh, I guess the early years, you're nine years old, you've moved into Brisbane, um, you're working at the fish and chip shop. Um, what other stuff did you get up to as, as a school, you know, at school and that sort of stuff? Any sort of hobbies? Um, we had sports? no money for hobbies. We had no money for, for sports. I went to school. I worked in the fish and chip shop and uh, I helped my dad uh, go to the Wakehall Migrant Resource Centre and Younger Bar, which is now developed underneath the um, Story Bridge. And we used to house uh, migrants and help them find jobs and... Uh, my dad was also one of the founding members of the 4EB radio stations and I think I was 16 or 17 back then and I was one of the first voices on radio. So um, microphones aren't a big thing for me, although Excellent. this one's particularly big. <laughs> it's a very big microphone. Um, yes, store DJ bought them about 18 months ago <laughs> and they, they, seem to, yeah, they seem to do the job at the moment, which is, which is fine. Um, so obviously working in the fish and chip shop, um, and then I guess from there, what I guess what did you sort of get up to as a young adult? Did you sort of do much travelling around the world? Or? No, I came from a very strict migrant Catholic family. Mm. Um, I went to school, and um, my parents slaved away to send me to a Catholic school at the time. 
And the nuns told me, because back then there was no English as a second language, so my English skills were always limited, even though I was the interpreter for the family, but my written language was difficult. They told me that I'd never amount to anything and they felt that I should get a job in a factory. So, yeah, that was... Um, job in a factory. So yeah. that's obviously... Did you ever have any jobs in a factory at all? Did you try Yeah, that? I did because I believed them at that stage. I mm. was 14 years old and I, thought, and, uh, and I thought, well, I'm either going to have to work in a fish and chip shop with my parents or I'm going to have to work in a factory. So um, we lived in New Farm like most migrant families did back then and I went and worked at the Ajax factory near New Farm Park uh, one school holidays. Spent three weeks there putting lints on Ajax um, containers on a conta- on a um, conveyor belt and decided that I was going to punch that nun because I was never going to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so never believe what other people tell you. So that was a very important lesson for me. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, so um, and I guess one of your – obviously early, your early career was um, – once you sort of became an adult, uh, you obviously got into the restaurant industry. How did that all start? And well, I didn't actually. When I not? first when I first started, I went to tertiary education and I did a social welfare course. And I went mm. and worked at the migrant resource centre, and back then as a grant in aid. And um, my um, my uh, portfolio, I suppose it was back in the early, very early 80s, was to develop multiculturalism in childcare and schools. So I was what's known as a community development officer back then to develop um, multiculturalism. So I worked there for about two years, um, but what happened in those days is that multiculturalism wasn't a thing at all, uh, so it was a lot of hard slog, but what I found is that I was supposed to be 80% community development and 20% casework, and I ended up with 80% casework and 20% community development. So there was many children in danger, and it just burnt me out. By at this time, I was 23, 24. Mm. Um, I had just met my husband, who was a chef at the restaurant, uh, and then uh, we bought the restaurant. I think when I was 25, 24, so or 25. So what was the name of that restaurant? It was a, it's an, an Italian restaurant called Giardinetto's in Fortitude Valley. So uh, we owned that from 1985 to 2006. And then we also owned a restaurant called Mama Luigi's and we had several catering companies and room service companies. Um, it was a fun time in your youth, but uh, people say to me that today in real estate I work really hard, but you never work as hard as you do when you're no. in hospitality. Hospitality is a whole different game. Yeah. Certainly, hospitality is a, is a very it's it's a it's a very tough game. It's it's hard to to be successful for that long, which is obviously a, a testament to how hard you guys would have worked. I'd, I'd say to to have those businesses for twenty years or more. Um, so that, that's – and obviously the valley was probably a different sort of uh, valley to what we see now in 2020. Um, um, I was very involved back then. One of the secrets to our longevity and to probably our success was that um, uh, uh, I was involved as an agent of change with the Valley Business Association back then um, and I was also very involved within the community. So, uh, you know, we had our 30th um, – uh, year anniversary at our, our restaurant. The restaurant had been established for 30 years and wow. we had a big party. You know, Lord Wedgwood was our special guest. Um, um, 
and we had uh, and we raised funds for Centre Care, which was just starting off back then uh, with Father Peter Dillon, um, and our MC was our uh, ex. Um, oh, she'd just come out of the children's. Um, oh, what's beautiful ex-governor? I'm having a blank. Um, tall, wonderful woman that was our um, our governor, um, and she was just a. Uh, anyway, yeah, no. anyway, she was just amazing and we had the Premier there and at that time we raised a huge amount of money to help centre care. So I've always been very, very involved in the community and I think that's really essential. I think businesses have a responsibility to the community. Without a strong community, we can't have a strong business and without a strong business, we can't have a strong community. So there's an interlinked and uh, I've always believed in giving without expectations and that's where I come from and that's who I am. That's yeah. really, really good, Madeline. Um, yeah, definitely, I want to sort of dub 2020 more the year of the community. Uh, you know, obviously, as a society, we'd like to sort of come together and, and you know, continue to su support one another. And uh, I think that's important going forward rather than try to, what you see a lot uh, in this online social media world is a lot of um, things where people look for, for ways out look for ways to discourage one another well one of the things that um that i believe is and you would know this tim um being a business owner is a very lonely business um so there are times there are some very good highs but there are some very dark days as well and it's so good when you you've got a tribe that can support you, and you've got people that you can call on that non-judgmental, mm. that understand. Um, you know, I have a staff of fifteen, mm. and uh, I work for them. So I have they have a responsibility to me. Yes, yes, they do. You know, they have a responsibility to show up, do their job, and do all this. But I have a bigger responsibility to them. Mm. I have the responsibility to make sure that the business is um, ethical and profitable so that they can pay their mortgages. Mm. So that's a huge responsibility for that's any good. one person. So um, it's important to have networks where you can bounce off people that are non-judgmental and understand what you're going through because not everybody does. Mm. That's very good points. But uh, I guess real estate, how did we sort of um, first get into real estate? I mean, what Oh, it's an interesting, interesting story. I had a, a very bad car accident in 2001 where I was uh, uh, on income protection for 12 months. I severed an artery and um, I crushed an elbow. Um, and they never thought that I'd have my arm back. But I do, thank you, and I'm blessed. So in that time, towards the end of it, I became uh, bored. So I thought I'd, you know... I do a course and find out what these, you know, these uppity real estate agents do. Surely they make all this money and they do nothing for what they what they do, you know, blah 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 blah. I'm sick of hearing that stuff, but that's what I thought, just like every other man. So I went and did a, a course at the REIQ. Um, it took me a while because I didn't have a lot of strengths. But anyway, after after the end of the course, I was offered three jobs. So you have to realise I've been self-employed majority of my life. <laughs> Um, so I didn't know what to do and I thought I'm going to be a very, very bad employee. So I went and spoke to a friend of mine who was a real estate agent on advice about these various companies and he said, yeah, this, 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 this. And he said, come and sit in my office, Madeline. And, um, and you know, you can – and I said, oh, no, that'll spoil our friendship and we'll never go anywhere. Anyway, he said, just do what you've got to do, just don't get me sued. So that was my job description. 
So I got to the office and I had a desk, really. It was as big as an A3 sheet of paper and there was a pack of phone books all the way up to the top. Wow. And, and, I, and, he, and, I, and, uh, and I said, okay, so what do I do now? What are these all doing here? He says, start making calls. And I said, I'm not doing that. I'm out of here. And I left. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and, um, so I left and I got, I got um, um, home to where I still had the restaurant and I was doing all the marketing for that. And uh, the lady I had, who's actually my office manager today, uh, she was doing uh, birthday cards to all our clients. We had a the database of 10,000. And I said, I walked in, I said, oh, I've just quit. I've walked out of that thing. I'm never going to work. Oh, that's all right. We'll just keep doing what we're doing. And she says, okay. So I said, what are you doing? She says, oh, I'm sending out the birthday cards. Oh, I said, just throw one of these in there and say, um, I'm still here. I'll be there every Friday night to have a drink with you at the restaurant. Hey, but if you're selling a house, here's my card. This is my part-time job. And uh, yeah, that was 20 years ago. And here wow. I am. <laughs> so, wow. Here we so, are today, mm. 15 staff, as you said, and um, obviously expanded out sort of more, you know, obviously, did you sort of start more in the, in the north side area? Um, I've always been in Everton Park. Yeah. I've always been in Everton Park. Um, uh, it's, uh, we moved to Everton Park when I was 14. My first home was in Mitchelton, and then we, most of my married life was in um, McDowell. So I'm a north side girl. Mm. And as you know, the north side people don't cross the river. So, you know. We, we, don't, <laughs> we, don't, we don't unless we really have to. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're scared of that bridge collapsing. Yeah. yeah. So um, so I, I love the area. I'm passionate about the area. Yeah. And it's been a lot of growth recently. And it's a good place. And there's some really, really good people. Yeah. Yeah, good people on the north side. Yeah, good, good suburbs that you sort of... Uh, I guess, um, you know, focusing on that. Obviously, because you get as popular as you have, I'm sure you're sort of uh, selling real estate fairly widely on the north side too. Um, yeah, but re- real estate's a, 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 an interesting thing. It's a, a, everybody thinks real estate's about houses, but it's not. Um, it's really about taking people to the next stage mm. um, and solving their problems, how they're going to get there. Because if real estate was about houses, everybody would do it because houses don't talk back. They don't have feelings. You know, they don't care um, where people are human. They have hearts and they have souls. Mm. And uh, so it's, it's about understanding and being able to, you know, assist them with the move of where they want to get to and, mm. res- and solving that problem compassionately and sometimes diplomatically. Mm. So I guess what where you sort of uh, I guess the skills that you sort of used in real estate uh, how did you sort of develop them uh, what sort of you know characteristics that you have that you've that you've made you so successful um, I've always believed that when you give more than you receive mm, definitely the give it, game yeah and it it comes back to you so I grew up you know, just giving to people, just being around people. So it's something that's innate in me. Um, I think my training in, um, uh, in um, you know, in community welfare and, you know, the little bit of psychology I did and all of that sort of thing obviously helps me to understand people. But I think I've just been blessed. Um, yeah. Mm, that's... Interesting. Um, so let's talk a bit about. Um, we obviously can keep coming back to real estate. 
Uh, but one thing I w- wanted to sort of uh, talk about also on the podcast was uh, was networking. Uh, now, as you as uh, you probably know, that I like to network. Um, we obviously met Carolyn at uh, Bots um, a couple of years ago, probably now, Carolyn. Yes. Uh, Carolyn, um, yeah, obviously with the the uh, Wow Awards. What's the other name of your business that you? Credible Source Solutions. Yeah, Credible Source Solutions. So uh, certainly um, network there, and we, we go to Bots every. Um, every two weeks on a Friday uh, and obviously part of the Valley Chamber of Commerce we um, there's always uh, something going on with the Valley Chamber of Commerce so I guess with networking what sort of networking have you sort of uh, been involved in in your business career and, and tell us a bit about how uh, now business network sort of came together and what what's what's really good about it okay I've never really done any formal networking at all um, I, because I've always been very community based so yep. I suppose um, this idea for the Now Business Network came to me and I've had it in my head for years but I was always too scared to roll it out, Um, was that um, I was a member of Lions and giving back and I found that um, um, when Lions started, originally it was about business people giving to the community and as I said earlier, I believe that businesses have got a huge responsibility to give to the community and the community, the strong community makes a strong business. But with Lions, what I've found over the years is that it's not, uh, there's not many business people in there anymore. So it's become a bit of more of a thing you do so in your retirement. Like a retirement or, A retirement yeah. sort yeah. of thing. And they do amazing work at the Lions. I'm not taking anything away from that because yeah, I have a I lot guess, of respect for them. Yeah. But I felt that we needed there was a gap in the networking. So there's the BNIs, which yep. you know are just boom, 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 and then there's <laughs> yes. lots. Of, then there's lots of networking, but they're all profit-based networking or the chambers. Again, the chambers can become a bit impersonal and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I just felt that there was this gap somewhere, and I wanted to make a difference, and. Um, I just felt that if we built relationships, gave to our community, that, you know, by giving to the community, we would build those relationships and then business organically happens. So where you have a BNI, it's all business, relationships, business sort of thing. Mm. So um, I put out, um, with encouragement for some friends, I sent out an email um, and um, I sent out an email to my network and I said, this is what I'm thinking. Um, I want to make a difference out there in the community. And if we give to the community, we can build relationships and business happens. So I sent out, I don't know how many emails thinking, and I booked a little cafe thinking I might get 10 people if I okay. was lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that um, back then, um, four years ago this August, uh, we had 40 people lining up to come into this cafe, just wow. all to sign in, and it just took my breath away, and I was overwhelmed. Um, that's a very good, that's a very good strike rate, isn't it? It was it was phenomenal. I think it just happened at a time where that gap was there, and business people just so wanted to of, help. And what sort of area were you focusing on? Just was it you, you sort of around Evident Park? Evident or? Park. It was just Evident Park because that's where my business yeah, is. Yeah. Um, it, since then, it's changed a lot. Um, yep. In the last, um, it'll be our fourth anniversary this year, 
we're now incorporated. We've got yep. some founding members that were there at the initial um, mm. time and we've got some new members like Caroline. The organisation is so much more than me um, yep. I'm, that it's, it's an amazing thing. And uh, the people that are there, they're all passionate about mm. the community. We're mm. all like-minded. Mm. There's no uh, spruiking of businesses. There's none of that. But the amount of business that happens is unbelievable. There's one particular woman in this group who's now our chair, Mary Ann Strello. I've rung her up at 9 o'clock at night and I've said, I'm having these issues, blah, blah, blah. She's met me somewhere and we've worked through them together. As I said to you, being a business in business is sometimes a lonely place. But the friendships and the camaraderie that we've made and the funds we've raised to give back to the community is just unbelievable. And it's it's been a culture that um, has taken my breath away. I keep saying that, but there's no other mm. way to describe it. There's so much passion. There's yeah. so much. I, lo- I mean, I, you know, I love to hear these sort of stories because I, I, I myself didn't know too much about the Now Business Network. Carolyn has spoken about it uh, to me a couple of times. Um, I did have a good. I had a feeling that it would sort of be like a, a network group that sort of you know with a with a focus on you know an organic uh, way of of business being done uh, through everyone sort of like-minded uh, so that it sort is. of does ring true uh, from from what you're saying there so and, and I being uh, involved in communities um, you know since 2003 when I first joined apex um, you know I've seen a lot of you know I've seen a lot of good things come out of you know putting putting sort of work into the community so mm. I think it's uh, it's as you said. Um, you know, you get out. I mean, you get out what you put in. Uh, and and I like this. I like this sort of quote that you said: "Strong business, strong community." That's. Um, I don't really. I've never sort of heard "strong business, strong community" like that. But I like that sort of. It's the truth. I like the, I like you know, that. you I like and that. I are business people, but we wouldn't have a business without the community. Yeah, I'll, so I'll, there we have a responsibility mm. to build that community. Yeah. That strong community then makes our business strong. Mm. So there's an interlink. But and I like that. I really yeah, like that. It, yeah. it's, mm, yeah. It sort of rings, rings through, you know. Mm. It sort of defines a bit. It's a bit more definition as to what's going on there, mm, I think. Exactly. Uh, which is, which is, that's that's fantastic. So yeah, the Now Business Network. How how, how many people are in the network currently? Uh, we have currently over sixty odd members. Wow, um, very so strong. very yeah, strong. Yeah, so it's a, it's a strong, and it's not about the numbers. It's more about yeah. the quality of the people. Of course. Um, yeah. My my vision is that uh, uh, we'll be able to du- duplicate and have mushroom associations are uh, now networks, but. It's really important to keep that culture. That culture is mm. not going to be diluted. Um, our focus this year is on sustainability. Our chair has is very much in sust- sustainability. Mm. And as um, as the visionary, I suppose you call me, uh, once once we can duplicate it, um, I'd love to see us having mm. these organisations where businesses are making a difference. Um, mm. But it's it the culture will not be compromised. Mm. Yeah. I think with the um Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but one of the one of the 
influential people in in your uh, network is also in, in um, state parliament. Is that Tim Mander? Is he involved? Uh, Tim Mander is a, a, a friend and a yeah. supporter, and he's actually the one who put the boot in the back of my my back because <laughs> I kept talking to him about it. Blah blah blah. I said oh, I'm really scared, Tim. He says, "Mate, like just do it. Stop being a chicken." <laughs> you know, literally. You know, if he had a stiletto like mine, it would have gone right straight through my back. Um, he's a friend. He's a good man, and uh, with with uh, with his encouragement, I. I stopped my butterflies and, um, I, you know, I stopped being afraid and I just did it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Okay, so on butterflies, so with the, where does the butterfly, what, what does that absolutely symbolise in Madeline Hicks real estate? Is that something, is that, that obviously means something, doesn't it? Well, it's a very personal thing. Uh, mm. I mean, um, when I had the accident, uh, you okay. know, severing an artery is a pretty big thing. Yes, you know. Um, so really it was a new beginning for me. Um, and uh, so the butterfly has always been a new beginning um, and we all start every day afresh. And, you know, when you think about it, when it, it relates to real estate, why do people sell houses? It's because they're having a new beginning. They're either upsizing or downsizing or moving for work or whatever and it's mm. a new beginning every day. Um, but, yeah, so that's where the butterfly comes from. It's a personal thing for me because it was, you know, I've got a new life. Excellent. Yeah. That's that's a great way to explain that. Um, yeah. So that no, it's fantastic. So I guess with Brisbane, tell us a bit about uh, what some of the things you love about Brisbane. Um, yeah, I think things that make you sort of like living here, and and what what makes this you know place that we all call home. Um, what makes it really you know something you wake up and say yeah thank God I live here sort of thing. It's three things. Yeah, okay. Three things. One, it's home. Mm-hmm. Two, it's family. Yep. And three, it's because it's the best place in Australia. There you go. <laughs> is it? Is it? Um, I mean, you obviously, what do you like about it? That sort of let's let's say you know why Brisbane as opposed to say somewhere else in in Australia. Is there something? Is it the? Do you like the climate, the people, the community? No, I don't like the climate. I don't like the people. I love the community, yeah. right? Um, if I could have community without the individual people in front of it, I mean, we all live. Yeah. We all by saying we love everybody is telling a lie, yes. you know. Yeah. Okay, we're a community. The thing I love about Brisbane, right, is the very fact that we're not Sydney. Yeah. We're not Melbourne, yeah. right? And we're an emerging culture in our own, mm. right? People call us Bris Vegas, which is the worst thing I've ever heard in the <laughs> site, right? But we've still got that little bit. We're an emerging city with our own heart and our own passion. And you, if you talk to people in Brisbane, they're passionate about they're passionate about their, where they live. They're proud. You know, you have a look at the majority of homes. They're well kept. They they get on with the neighbours. You know, mm. uh, there's always going to be little problems and stuff. Every city does, but you can still walk every morning, say good morning to people, and they'll say good morning back. And that's what I love about Brisbane. You can still go to the CBD and on the mall there's still room to move. Yep. And if you go to Sydney's mall, everybody's dressed in black, looking down and they don't even smile, you know. So, And we're an emerging city with, you know, 
with many restaurants and these little villages like it's happening at uh, Everton Park, you know, so we've got these little satellite mm. things happening where we can, we, we've got our own flavours. Mm, I love what they're sort of doing in that, that uh, part of, uh, you know, we're obviously close to where you're sort of are at Everton Park. There's a lot, there, you know, there's a lot of developments commercially, obviously residential developments as well, uh, Everton Hills, Everton Park, McDowell, um, you know, parts of Stafford. It's all sort of coming together a bit. Um, what do you sort of see in the future for the, for the area? What, what sort of Look, I think um, Everton Park and that whole northern uh, northwest region, it's only 10 k's from the CBD. Yeah. So it's it's a matter of time. I think we've been a um, – we've lived under a Cinderella effect. People have forgotten about us because we were just middle Australia. and But middle Australia is the heart of Brisbane. Um, and I think people are now realising that within that 10 k's – there is there's lots of opportunities, um, and we're not um, we're not parochial as far as um, we're not isolated. Mm. Um, we still have you know there's good transport, there's good infrastructure to get to the CBD. So it's been a long time coming, but the gentrification of that area uh, is happening. Um, and probably if you wanted to buy into that area, it's already too late. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, and it's a good place. It's good people. And what makes it a good place and good people is just it's you know it's Middle Australia, and that's the heart of our country. Yeah, definitely. So some of your um, being a, I guess a lady that's sort of in owned restaurants and that sort of thing. I guess what are your sort of favourite places to go to as far as cafes and restaurants currently in Brisbane at the moment? Where do you sort of like to spend and relax? And go out for dinner somewhere or, or a cafe or that sort of thing what are some of the places that really uh that you like to sort of call home in a way my kitchen at home and my husband's <laughs> cooking and i'm in a glass of wine on the other side good answer <laughs> good answer <laughs> honestly i just yeah. it, uh i've been in industry for a long time and the best thing is a home-cooked meal and my good husband's answer. a chef and i just like having a glass of wine on the other side of the kitchen bench while he's working I, I I interviewed a um, uh, I, I had last Monday off and I interviewed a, um, a, a a new employee that I've just hired, and she came in and um, I was there in my um, you know I think I was just wearing it was really hot a, a flowing caftan thing and I had my swimmers underneath my thongs on and my husband was cooking brownies in the kitchen. That's the best thing we could do. Yeah. So yeah, that's my favourite thing to do is be at home. That's great. So um, I guess tell us a bit about how, how Madeline Hicks Real Estate sort of started. I mean, obviously you're working for other uh, uh, real estate companies first, but when did you decide to sort of take the plunge and, and really start, um, you know, what has become uh, a very well-known real estate agency here in Brisbane? Um, I worked under the franchise system um, for years and years, uh, for over 10 years, um, and in... Um, 2013, I took the plunge on the 1st of January and opened my own um, independent. Franchises, you've got to colour in the squares. They forget that you're not selling houses, you're actually dealing with people. And I got sick of selling houses because I was dealing with people. Yeah. So I decided to um, become an independent agency so that I could then tailor make and meet the needs of the people mm. because houses don't have any needs the people have needs but in the french in the franchise system the corporate system is 
get them sold at any price, just get them moved, moved, moved. And that's not what it's about. You know, it's about helping people get to the next stage. And uh, so I went out on my own with myself and my assistants and went, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, what am I doing? So. That's how it started, yeah. That's how it started. And here we are in 2020. You said you had 15 staff. Mm. Tell, and how did, and Bribey Island, when did it start? When did you sort of bri- get to sort of Bribey Island? In well, real estate? Bri- Bribey Island's only very fresh. I had yeah, okay. a, a very first fresh. Be- very fresh. Uh, we've only really just started like a week ago. And uh, I've got two staff up there. We've just put on another lady as well. I had a breakfast meeting today and we're just rolling out the marketing and all of that stuff coming out. So I've new, yeah. yeah, so it's very, very new. We've just become a contributor to one of the local papers, so I'll be writing okay. blogs and doing Excellent. all of that for that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's been a busy morning. I've just done all of that before I came here, so, yeah. No, that's, that's excellent. That's, um, you know, your time's very valuable, so certainly uh, thank you for certainly obviously coming and seeing us on the podcast anyway. Right. Um, so, yeah, no, that – so I guess – and obviously people are sort of warm to you um, – and obviously, you become more well known, and obviously your business has grown quite well over the you know the last decade. Tell us a bit bit about the last decade for real estate in Brisbane. What do you what do you think? Because um, I guess some of the listeners might always like to get a bit of a professional's perspective on what's actually happened in the market. You know, from someone who's actually selling it day to day. Well, the the last um, <clears throat> 12 months was probably the most interesting 12 months we had in real estate um, since um, the GFC. Uh, we had uh, we had twin. I suppose you'd call it a twin year. Um, yeah. The impact so of the is, yeah. yeah the the impact of the uh, federal government's um, election last mm. year just killed business until after the election. Mm. Um, and in real estate, June, July and August are traditionally our quietest time anyway because everybody's doing tax and they're not thinking about anything else. But the last quarter in uh, September to December, like I wish there'd been two of me because we, we, we were just so busy, it was crazy. And what we were seeing for the first time was multiple offers come into play, uh, prices rising again. Um, we've had a really busy busy week in January and uh, listings have tightened up really so there's no stock so I've been doing this for years and years and whenever stock gets this tight Mm. two things happen all the cowboys leave the industry Mm. Uh, they just leave the industry that they they Mm. can't get a listing Um, and uh, what also happens is the um, uh, you know the rule of supply and demand happens so when there's no supply, prices go up. So there's never been a better time really to um, to, to look at um, selling because the prices at the moment, we're getting multiple offers on in nearly everything I do, only on the weekend. But listen, I've had people who've been looking for houses for years and years and I call them especially the, the, the younger generation, everybody's scared to make a move. So they come in with clipboards and they've got 10 points that they've got to fill everything. And I've had families that have done that for two years and it's cost them $100,000 extra because they didn't make the decision two years ago. Mm. So my, my uh, consideration or asking you to consider is doesn't have to be perfect. Just get into the market, hold hold, hold, 
real estate in the long term only goes up. The first house I bought was $34,000. That recently sold in Mitchelton for $780,000. There's no way I could have saved that money if I hadn't bought that house. Exactly. Really good points there. And and people forget, uh, you know, you want to get in, the opportunities uh, can easily be you know go to the wayside very quickly so whenever is the opportunities there you got to take advantage of it especially when it comes to things like real estate Um, yeah everybody talks about the bottom of the market and i'm I'm going to wait in the bottom of the market but you Mm. only know when the bottom of the market happens when you see the prices going back up exactly okay so if I had a crystal ball for every client, I would be a very, very rich woman. So again, just get in and do it and stop procrastinating. Some very wide, some very wide words from a lot of experience over the last decade in, uh, in basically dealing with um, young families and older families and people moving from one property to the next or getting into their first mm-hmm. home. Um, I, I guess with your... You'd, you'd obviously cater to lots of different um, age demographics okay, when it comes to sellers and buyers. Um, with the sellers in particular, what what do they sort of uh, aren't doing what they should be doing when they're selling property at the, the moment? Is there anything that is sort of what's what's a common thing that you're seeing? Um, it really depends. The the older um, you know you have to realise that most of the uh, especially in my area we're in a, in a, a a transition where the old guards moving out and the young guards moving in. Yeah. <clears throat> One of the um, the some of these people haven't sold a house in 30 40 years. Uh, so that they don't understand modern real estate. And modern real estate if you're selling a property my biggest advice to you is to get a building and pest inspection prior to you going on the market. That's number one, so that, you, so that you understand um, what potential faults there may come. I always talk about starting with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. And then listen to your real estate agent when it comes to advice with presentation. Uh, one of the biggest problems that people make is that they don't understand the importance of decluttering. They don't understand the importance of painting a green wall out and making it white. They don't understand the importance of um, sometimes staging a property and how that can add value. They just see it as costs, but some of those costs are really, really worthwhile because they pay, um, you know, threefold. Um, And these are the reasons, and the most important thing is that, you know, we all want to get the best price, but in this industry, it's known for over-promising and under-delivering. So please, when you listen to a real estate agent, always budget that little bit lower. Anything that you get above that is cream, and then you can go on a cruise or a holiday or something. Um, yeah. Yeah, some really good advice as far as um, what, uh, what to do when, you, you know, when it comes time to sell. I think that's uh, it's, it's very important, and and I guess it's you know fundamental to. Uh, I mean, you don't sort of. I mean, I, th- I think that what you just mentioned before, you know, just getting your own building and pest inspection done prior to sale. Does that like um, is that something that sort of when the when the when the actual property is advertised now? Does it 
and you're sending all the information, you're actually sending through the report for the building and pest as well, is that Well, right? um, it, 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 um, you can. You yeah. can use that as, mm. a, as a, an instrument to help in the marketing. Yeah. But the most important thing is that if there are any issues, it allows you to fix them. Yeah. So, so uh, an issue that yeah. yeah, and an issue that might cost you five hundred dollars to fix, or mm. you know, give you a simple thing. Sometimes our roof, mm. none of us go up there to have a look at the roof. So, uh, and until there's a leakage up there, you don't know that it needs work. So, um, if but if a building in pest guy comes along and says, look, it needs to be, um, it needs to have um, to be recapped. That costs about twelve hundred to fifteen hundred dollars to get that repaired. Where if the building and pest for the buyer comes along, the buyer is going to want a lot more than that to to as a reduction. The other thing is, if they find termites in the yard, which every house has, then they're going to want a barrier put around the property, and that might cost up to six thousand dollars. Where you could have gotten rid of that for $250. So you need to look at those little things that make a huge difference and mm. you start with the end in mind. Mm, that's some really good advice there. Um, I guess what do you sort of see in the future as far as um, Madeline Hicks Real Estate is concerned and, and obviously your future uh, career? Have you sort of uh, thought about retirement, that type of thing as well, down the line or what... what Ideally, what does what's the future looking like? Wow. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to be the little old lady in one of those scooters with a butterfly running behind me selling real estate. <clears throat> I love my job. I love what I, I do. S- I, love, I can yeah. see the passion that yeah. you've got, not only sort of... For the you know for the, the the community that you represent in you know the Everton Park area, but there's a lot of passion obviously there for real estate as well. Uh, and obviously, I can see that being, you know, obviously around uh, here, you know, in Brisbane for quite some time. Um, so it's, it's really, really good to have someone, you know, so passionate that's that's in Brisbane. That's you know, a good person when it comes to real estate. You know, someone who's caring about, talking about the people as opposed to the numbers. Talking mm. about the um, community, uh, strong. You know, showing the strength of that. Showing the strength of how that comes across into business. Um, so that's that's. Um, Thank you. It's been really good to, to learn a bit about that that story as well. Um, I guess it, it, are there any other hobbies or any other um, passions that we don't know about that uh, we we'd, that you you'd like to tell us? I guess. Uh, Madeline has two speeds: go and stop. <laughs> and when I stop, I'm on the beach. That's it. So, Nothing else. Uh, as in beach nearby, Sunshine Coast. Uh, Any beach will Gold do, as long Coast. as it's got sand and water. <laughs> okay. So you do like the beach, okay? Yeah. yeah. So be- beach. <clears throat> and what's your favourite beach in Australia? Oh, look, I I don't think we can go past Noosa personally. Mm. Yeah. You know, uh, it's only it, it's only problem is that you can't get parking in Hastings Street anymore. It's become <laughs> too popular. <laughs> yeah. But um, look, I think Noosa is just amazing. Just go off peak. That's where. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> any, any sort of overseas destinations that stand out that you like to sort of go to for a holiday as well? Or I have a goal of trying to visit as much as I can. Um, uh, obviously, I go to Portugal regularly because I have family there and things. Uh, but, yeah, I love travel. I, I, I actually believe that as a rite of passage, um, every Australian, when they finish high school, they need to work buy a ticket, go overseas and come back 
and realise how wonderful it is that we live here because there's no better place. And it's only when you travel that you understand what we've got here. You know, when you, you just land in Australian soil or you get onto a Qantas plane and you go, oh, thank you. Mm, yeah. No, fair enough. That's certainly some, some good, uh, good words of uh, wisdom there. Um, yeah, so... <clears throat> Excuse me. No, it's been it's been certainly great to have you on the uh, podcast today, <coughs> Madeline. I think it's uh, you've got a great story. I, I just love that you know I love the passion. I like what you represent as far as the community is concerned. I think Carolyn, I think you know it's a great uh, uh, guest that you sort of um, bring in. And obviously, had heard of Madeline. Brisbane's a small place. We we spoken about this that there's you know the, the degrees of separation. There isn't. Uh, there isn't much there as i said not we've got over 90 sort of mutual connections on linkedin and mm. we've never really met before so um but i probably are a connection anyway by the look of it so <laughs> yeah it's uh, one of those things where it's it's so small but it's it's a great place i like what they're doing here in brisbane i think um it'll be interesting to see how the infrastructure goes over the next uh the next five to ten years how the olympic bid will go there's there's some uh there's some momentum there perhaps that I'm hearing in the background, but it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. They're trying to get everything prepped and ready, new stadiums in there, Queen's Wharf, all this sort of stuff will sort of trans... Hopefully it comes off as as advertised, you know, to be able to, to, be able to sort of uh, continue, you know, Brisbane, uh, that sort of thing. I mean, tourism is one of those things at the moment. We've just had the these issues now with the the coronavirus that uh, is certainly affecting uh, what's going to happen in 2020 as far as tourism is concerned uh, that's quite an issue that hopefully they'll and obviously university placements that sort of thing it's yeah. it becomes quite um, quite an important issue and it's certainly affecting uh, you know it's a bit of a flow-on effect at the moment so I'm hoping that we can sort of get past that and uh, keep you know keep things going in the right direction here. I think uh, we've you know we've, we've had to sort of endure quite a bit of uh, uh, Australian spirit is obviously there to sort of for for the most part help us with any you know the disasters that we that have occurred as well. I think we're um, resilient as a nation. Very so. very resilient mm. as a nation. Most of the people are there to help one another. Mm. Um, you know that just and that's just there from the amount of effort that's been done to sort of you know help with the clean up efforts and. And funding and that, that sort of thing to, to, to put in, put out there uh, when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's, if there's anything else I had to, to ask you, but um, I think if is anything that you, you can remember, is anything, anything else I should ask, Carol? No, the only thing that I wanted to do is to, is to go back to the NOW group and talk about that because yeah. what, I stumbled upon this group yeah. and didn't know there was anything out there that resonated with what fed my soul and made me happy. And, and looking after the community first and doing business second. So I just want to put it out to your listeners yeah. that if they've not networked before or if they have a heart that wants to help the community and wants to meet like-minded people, I thoroughly recommend you come along to an hour group meeting. Mm. They meet... Uh, How often do you meet? We, we meet once a month um, mm. and it's a breakfast at the Everton Park High School and it's the first Thursday of the month. 
Alternatively, you know, if they would like to talk to me about, um, you know, uh, being active in starting another NOW group, that's something that I'd be really mm. passionate to look at as well. I mean, so I, should, I should come along one morning, shouldn't absolutely, I? Absolutely. Yeah, yes, just, just have a look at it. Yeah. It's just one morning just to see what it's like. Yeah. And, um, and most, and I, I keep telling um, all the members is that the gold is in the uh, getting involved in the various groups. You know, there's nothing more satisfying than having a laugh mm. with someone when you're actually raising money for something. So, um, yeah, that's where the relationships are built. So, um, yeah, it's that's where you find the gold in our group. And it's good because you can bring your ideas to the group. So if they do amazing bunning sausage sizzles and, and raise amazing money, but I can't get involved in those from a time per component. But we've just recently introduced in the last few months what we call a Now Wow Award, which is part of my business concept, which is giving to people for, for the great exceptional service or work in the community. And that's supported by the Now Group now. So we actually once a month pick somebody that we as a group on the board have identified and they're presented with a Now Wow Award. So uh, we had um, Jack Poole, he's our Meals on Wheels guy who attends the sessions and he gives so much of his own time and effort to the community in Meals on Wheels. He was one of our Wow Now recipients and the look on his face, the fact that he was appreciated, that fed our soul. That's when we knew. And he's 86 we years a, old. Eight, yeah, we mm. had a model there. And yesterday, um, this week, we, we presented yesterday, yesterday, yesterday. We presented to a couple that are in finance, Catherine and Terry Harrison, and they, we call them the dynamic duo. Uh, they're quite achievers, that they, they look after people, they make sure they're emotionally supported, they help the NOW group so much. And to see their faces yesterday and to be recipients of, of a, an, a WOW NOW award, a NOW WOW award, they just, um, I didn't realise how much this would resonate with people and how much we thought we were appreciating them, but that little effort that we go makes them feel valued and you, it, and it's and then some from them as a result. Mm, mm, yeah. No, it's really, really good. It's, um, I just want to also give you an example. Um, the NOW group is not all about raising funds to give to charity. And as I touched on, it's about supporting each other. One of our yeah. members, um, one of our members, um, a uh, business owner was diagnosed with cancer and he lives on his own so we organized a fridge and we organized you know um a roster amongst all the members for food to be delivered to him so That's and that really, he's really now good. healthy he's now healthy he felt supported he never felt alone so those are the sorts of things that we try to do just as mm. we're a community so trying to look after each other yeah no, that's that's, some, that's a really good example of what uh, what you d you know do with the Now Business Network. So I do look forward to coming along to a breakfast uh, at in Everton Thank Park. Thank you. We school. look forward to having you, Tim. Um, so let me know when the next date is, and I'll try to get it penciled in. Is it this month or next month? Next month. What, next what, month. Uh, is it usually the, what date? I uh, will get it. Yeah. We'll we'll put you on our mailing list. <laughs> yeah. Believe me, <laughs> we have a membership chair who's very dogmatic. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a card as well. Anyway. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much, Madeline. Um, now it's been, it's it is Friday the seventh of February. It's been uh, great to have Madeline uh, Hicks on the podcast, as well as uh, some uh, nice important comments from Carolyn Lovett, who may have her own episode one day. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, thank you very much. It's uh, it's you got a great story. Just love, as I said, can't re can't uh, help but love the passion. Can't help but love what you do for the community. So thank you very much, Madeline, for coming on the podcast. We'll get this uploaded today. Share it around the, to the to your uh, network and community and. Uh, um, yeah, 
stay stay in touch and well, I'll try to stay in touch as well. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Tim. No thank worries. You. Thank you.